Welcome to another message from LifePoint Church, located at 400 South Abilene in Valley Center, Kansas. For more information on LifePoint Church, go to our website at lpcag.org. It is our prayer to invest in generations to influence community. And now, today's message. But today is a huge day. Um, as we talked about the cause last week, and it dealt with you know our heart towards the lost and, and being engaged with the lost, today is really taking a step, another step with that. And uh, it's our Missions Emphasis Sunday, and so twi- or once a year, um, we, we take faith promises or, or um, we have a speaker come in and uh, uh, they'll share and then that Sunday and the following Sunday will encourage you to, to be uh, just listening and responding to what the Lord would ask you to do in reference to uh, giving towards missions on a, a faith uh, on, a, on a regular basis. Listen, LifePoint, the last two years have been banner years for, for our church and, and our giving to missions. It's been awesome to watch, and, and I'm so excited um, to, to be a part of it, to see it happen. All, all that we give to missions, go, it's, it doesn't come from our, our, your general giving. It doesn't come from regular tithes and offerings. It's stuff like what we're doing today and when we have a, a March 3rd event or when we do One Day to Feed the World. Um, that that's all mission stuff. We don't pull from our general fund, and so this is like above and beyond stepping out in faith to what God is asking us to do. And so you have an opportunity today on your on your chair was a card like this, and we have a guest, and he's going to walk us through that here in a little bit and to explain. Um, it's just a faith promise card, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't say the pastor's going to call you card or anything like that. This is an opportunity just for you to listen to the heart of God and respond to it. But uh, David Rayleigh is with us this morning, and uh, he he came and, and preached first service and is with us, obviously, the second service and just gave a, an incredible, challenging message, and we're excited to, to have him. This is the first time he's ever been to to Valley Center, to, to Life Point Church. Uh, he was... Uh, ministry partners with Tom Green. Many of you are familiar with Tom. Tom was with us several times for days like this, and and Tom went home to be with the Lord like a week before he was supposed to come last year, if you remember. And uh, and so I reached out to David and said, "Hey, would you come this year?" And he was gracious to say, "Yes, I would love to." And so Life Point, would you welcome David this morning and just make him feel at home this morning? Come on. Thank you, Pastor. Man, why don't you give your pastors a good hand? Don't you love them? Wow. I've just met him and uh, talked to him on the phone a few times, but I love him. Tom Green talked well of him, and his wife is a pretty good worship leader. Isn't Robin good? I mean, come on. That worship was amazing. I'm telling you, what a pleasure to be here and enjoy the services and the Spirit of the Lord and all the wonderful things that God is doing among you. Uh, I'm David Rayleigh, my wife Patricia's with me. Uh, we've been married 50 years and uh, have had a lot of fun. 
and uh, she's retired recently, and so she travels with me. This is wonderful. I, I've done this forever, uh, 250 days a year across across the United States and around the world, and a lot of times I had to do it alone and left her at home, but she's now traveling with me. And it's different when you travel with your wife. I mean, you don't get the bathroom as quick as you used to. You, you know what I'm saying? And, and she's always right. I mean, I found out I'm, 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 not, all, I'm not right any time, but I'm so glad she's with me. Oh, thank you for what you do for, for missions and for the work of God. Um, so, so many things that, that I've seen and felt in this service, uh, the ministries, what Brother Yancey was sharing, I can tell you that is very true what he says. There's more slaves, more trafficking than any time in the world today, and that ministry is literally making a difference. Uh, compact, oh my goodness. Uh, we, we're on the verge of probably doing something with them on a regular basis. Helped them last year to start a foster care thing in Oklahoma, and they got a, a desire, and the assistant superintendent, Brother DuBose, they have a dream of starting a foster ministry, care ministry, in every state in the United States, and I believe we can do that. Would you say amen? Come on. I believe we should have one here in Kansas. Would you say amen? Give the Lord a big hand if you believe that. I, I do. I really do. Um, thank you, young people, for your support for that. Uh, the director, I had breakfast with him the other day, and he told me what Speed the Light had committed, and, and I was the National Speed the Light director, and I can tell you that is a miracle that you guys are providing for that ministry. Thank you for what you do for missions. I, I, I'm from the South. Some of you are like, okay, where is this dude from? I'm trying to get the accent. Not New York, not New Jersey. I actually grew up in Chicago, but I'm from Alabama. Uh, I've been there for many, many years. That's my home. But I live in Springfield, Missouri, have been there for 20 three years, 23 years, and uh, worked with in the national office. I've done several things in there. Uh, somebody introduced me, and they went through a litany of the things I did. I, I said, that doesn't mean I'm real good. That just means I can't keep a job. <laughs> That's all that means. But the last 12 years, Tom and I started a ministry called Green and Rayleigh, basically our names, doing what we love to do, and that's challenging people to be a part of what God is doing through the local church to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are doing that. You're, you're, I'm singing to the choir this morning. You are a part of what God is doing in the globe today. We live in a day where so many ugly things, so many bad things are happening. I mean, I I, I hardly listen to the news because I don't know what's true, what's right. But anytime you listen to the news, you hear about the bombs, the bullets, the bullies. You hear about all the problems of our world. And you almost think, well, where's God in all of this? Where, where is the Lord in all this? Well, they don't get paid to tell you where the Lord is. So this morning, I'm going to say some things that the Lord is doing. With everything the enemy is doing today, the Lord is moving by his spirit. You know, we, we hear it a lot. Oh, we need a move of God. We need that great day of revival. And, and I'll be honest with you, in America, we need a good swift kick in the backside. We need to move up. Would you say amen? We do. We need to move up and move into God more. And But let me tell you something. Around the world, there is a move of God that is happening that is unprecedented. We're seeing more come into the kingdom of God today than we've ever seen in the history of the world. Places like Russia. All we hear about Russia is the negative things. But did you know there are seven times more Christians in Russia than there were 
communists at the height of the Communist Party right now. God is not dead in Russia. And a little place called Belarus where we print the fire Bibles, we print them wherever we can get it done, uh, the, the least expensive. In Belarus, socialist country, a few years ago, the minister of the government got up and he made a statement. He said, our nation is in danger of becoming a Christian nation. Hallelujah. I mean, you, you, you take it around the world. In China today, uh, you know, we, 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 we hear the stuff on China every day. It's something. But did you know that every day that goes by, forty to 50,000 people come to Christ, come to faith to Jesus Christ in China? And they tell me that there's over 100 million Christians in China today. In fact, Chairman Mao, when he was alive, he made a statement. He said, one day the church is going to be relegated to our history books and their Bibles to our museums. Well, we sent three million fire Bibles into China. He's dead, and God is moving in China. Would somebody say amen? I mean, we could go on and on and tell you what God is doing, and yet, let me also say that our fellowship, the, the, we, we are a group of independent churches. We're not a denomination. We're a group of independent churches that center around some doctrines we call the 16 fundamental truths. But if you really want to know what the Assembly of God church is, you, there's three things. One, we believe the Bible is the Word of God. Two, two we, be, we, we, we believe that the Spirit of God can change a person's life at any moment and at any time. Would you say amen? And three, we believe everybody should have an opportunity to know Jesus Christ. We're not about our steeples. We're about people. We want everybody to know that Jesus loves them in Kansas and in Kathmandu. We want the world to know that what Jesus did for you and me, he can do for them. Would you say amen? And, and so we're committed to sending the gospel around the world. And when we started, we started not a long ways from here, but it's a place called Hot Springs, Arkansas. Now look, we started with 300 representatives there. Almost hilarious. Somebody says, where's Hot Springs? Well, the truth is God has to have a GPS to find Hot Springs, Arkansas. It was laughable that later they committed themselves in Chicago that we're going to be the greatest evangelism movement on the face of the earth. It's not laughable anymore. Today, the Assemblies of God is in more nations than the United Nations are in. In fact, in some countries, the biggest thing there is Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and the Assemblies of God. I like all three of them. Would you say amen? I mean, uh, there are more Assembly of God churches today than there are McDonald's in the world, if you can believe that. And, and it's just, you, you say, wow, what's going on? Every hour, we start a brand new church somewhere. Every hour. Every minute, somebody bows their knees or confesses with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And, and that's every minute that goes by. Every 100 minutes, somebody says, God's called me to preach the gospel. This church is not dead. It's alive and seeing some of the greatest days we've ever seen. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand. Aren't you glad to be a part of something like that? And, and, and you say, how does this happen? Well, we are committed 
to sending missionaries around the world. And that's why you have services like you have today where a pastor just asks you and, and begs you and pleads with you, would you help us send those men and women, the boots on the ground, all the other things we do are of no advantage if we don't have those men and women there. And so when you give a faith promise, it's not going to your general fund. It's not going to me. He's going to take me out to eat. He's done, I'm not going to preach long because he's told me where he's taking me and I want to go. <laughs> but, but it's not that what you do is not, not going to impact his salary or anything. It's going to impact keeping a missionary on the field. That is what we're about. And, and so that's what you do. You send missionaries around the globe and you connect with other Kansas churches and other churches around the United States and you together send those men and women into difficult and dangerous places to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're amazing. They do all kinds of wonderful things. I was a district youth director when Terry Yancey was a district youth director and we built a brand new camp and, and, and our kids would come in and I don't know why they would do that. They'd tear that camp up. My superintendent would get mad at me. Your kids are tearing the camp out. But you know what? Today, many of those are missionary kids now and they're tearing the devil's camp up. Would you say amen? I love it. I love it what God does. But, but, but listen, those missionaries go and they make it a difference around the world. Thank you for helping keep them there. But the thing that is cool about your fellowship is that we don't only send missionaries, we equip missionaries. We give them the tools so that when they get there, they can get the job done. I've built houses. I've built the house we live in now. And, and I can tell you if I hired a contractor to build my house and he showed up with, with, with on a bicycle, without any level, without any hammer, without any saws, how many know it doesn't matter how skilled he is, there's not a lot that he could get done. One of the missionaries made a statement about the tools that we give them. He said, the tools you give us don't make our job easier. It makes our job possible because there's nothing we could do without the tools. And those tools are given through ministries like BGMC. You've seen those little kids with those yellow barrels and shake them in front of your face. They turn grandmas and grandpas into human ATM machines. You give millions of dollars to our children to help make a difference around the world. Speed the light, young people, thank you. You have bought cars and trucks and motorcycles and donkeys and boats and airplanes. You, you bought some camels and donkeys. You bought some PA systems and sound systems. In fact, one place you bought a yak for a missionary. We're not going to do that anymore. They had a snowstorm and they barbecued our speed the light equipment. I tell folks that that missionary may have been from Alabama because we will barbecue anything. <laughs> but isn't it cool that the first car that your young person buys is not for themselves, but for a missionary to preach the gospel around the globe. And then not only speed the light and and, and, and children's ministry, BGMC, but then women's missions. We couldn't do it without them. It wouldn't happen without them. They do more than just spatulas. They do all kinds of things for our, our missionaries and, and our men helping with life for the lost, providing literature and Bibles and, and, and ministries like Network 211. Uh, this ministry started because Life for the Lost helped them get started. I was, I was on the front end of this. I was sitting, I was working in the National Life for Lost office. Tom Green was the director and George Flattery who started ICI Ministry, which is now Global University that is training 2 million people a year right now uh, came into our office and said, I have a dream of reaching the lost on the internet. I said, well, we all do. 
But Tom brought us in the room and said, uh, I want you to hear what George has to say. And, and he said, I want to reach the loss on the Internet. I want to put words like suicide and homelessness and on and on in the top ten languages of the world. And as people are searching on the Internet, they get a presentation of the gospel. I said, well, that's cool. How are you going to do that? We want life or loss to buy Google ads. I'm thinking, oh, that's really not going to happen. And then I heard Tom Green say, that's a good idea. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> well, it, they, they called it Project 10 Million. Well, that was a bad deal because uh, Project 10 Million didn't work out because they wanted to reach 10 million in 10 years, but it ended up reaching 10 million in four years. And then it had to be changed to Project 100 million. And right now, they have reached 57 million people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. And, 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 they, and you know how they do it? With Google ads, life of the lost by Google ads through, through that ministry. And for every dollar they spend, they can reach 20 people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are just some of the ministries I couldn't go through all of them because we don't have time. But you equip our missionaries with tools that they could not get anywhere else, and you are making it happen around the globe. You have the most, listen to me, you have the most effective missionaries on, on the planet today because of sending them and giving them the tools. You know, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. I'm, 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 I promise I'm not going to talk very long. I, I wanted to tell you who we are and what we do. But I want to talk about for a few minutes why we do it. I hear it all the time, Pastor, why? Why does our, why does our pastor push so hard for us to make monthly faith promises and, and to give above our tithe, above what we, what we normally would give to help missions? And I'm going, to, I'm going to give you five reasons today. But look at this scripture. It says in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 3, that if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. What good would the wonderful worship and presence of the Lord that we sensed in this place today be if it only stayed in the cavity of this building? What good would it be if, if your neighbor didn't hear about it or the, the lost person down the street or the lost person around the world I enjoyed communion? In fact, I couldn't help but think as we was doing communion and, and the steps that pastor was taking us through, we, we, look, we look up, we look in, but we look out. Well, we don't just look out to see if we got an enemy out here. We look out to see if everybody's being served. And if we were to ask today, has everybody been served? The voices that we couldn't hear that are not in this building would be people that have never heard the gospel ever in their life. People that, that have lived their whole life and never met anybody that knows anybody that knows anybody that knows Jesus Christ as a Savior. And so when we, when we take communion, we, we, look beyond, we look beyond who we are right here. And we look on out around the world because you and I are responsible for the world. I believe this with all my heart. Every generation is responsible for the lost people in your generation. Charles Spurgeon was preaching one day about the lostness of man and the responsibility of everybody to reach their loss around them. And somebody walked up to him at the end of the message and said, Brother Pastor, do you really believe people will be lost if we don't 
tell them about Jesus? He said, sir, that's not the question. The question is, are we really saved if we don't tell them about Jesus? And so that's why we do what we do. There's five reasons I'm going to give you this morning. I'm going to go through them real quick. But five reasons why we, we do missions. One, we do it, be, hold on now, we do it because it's biblical. It's, it's a Bible thing. It's not an assembly of God thing or a Baptist or a Methodist. It's a Jesus thing. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, making disciples of every nation. Well, you see, this is what Jesus has commanded us to do. Now listen, I, I, I go to a lot of churches. I've been doing this a long time. At one time, I was three to five churches a week somewhere in America. And people will, would tell me, say, you know, I'm Assembly of God, or I'm Baptist, or I'm Methodist. And what they're saying is that we worship a certain way. But I can be honest with you, in all the churches that I've been to, I've never found any that do anything the same way. I like to say we're all dysfunctional. Some of us just more dysfunctional than others. Can I be real? <laughs> I mean, the truth is we, 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 we just do things different. And I've learned that God really doesn't care if I wear a tie to the church or, or I wear my shirt out or in or I wear flip-flops or shorts. God doesn't really care if I start service with the, with the lights on or the lights out. That, that's really not what bothers God. I mean, I, when traveling, I remember going to a church in North Dakota, three services, 2,500 people up there in Bismarck, and, and, and right before they put me up to preach, after the worship, they had a nine-minute coffee break. Now, I'm going to be honest. You, you, you sing like you sing today, and you give me coffee, I'm going to get caffeine all over you. I was in another church in, in Mobile, Alabama, and I was worshiping the Lord. I had my eyes closed, and all of a sudden, I heard this swoosh, swoosh, and I looked up, and the women had got free and had flags and were, were waving those flags and, and running and worshiping the Lord. I thought, Lord, I don't know if that's biblical, but it's probably good for the cardiovascular system. Can I be honest with you? The Lord doesn't care how you worship, but that everybody has an opportunity to worship because of your worship. Would you say amen? The goal of Christ is that every nation, every tongue, every boy, every girl would be able to lift their hand and declare that Jesus is, come on somebody, he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And, and, and you say, well, this is an American thing. No, Africa is doing it. Iran is doing the largest church in the world is, is in Iran right now, the underground church. It's amazing what God is doing there. Uh, uh, today, missionaries are coming from Cuba to around the world. And, and I, I read one of the reports from, from one of our regional directors out of Winsau, China. Pastor was preaching about the lostness of a man and the responsibility of the people in the church to reach the lost. Three little ladies were sitting there and they said, well, we need to do what the pastor says. We need to go reach the lost. They went home, packed their backpacks, and for 57 days, they walked through the province of, of, of China, of Winsau, China, and they started churches. And when they got back, pastor said, where have you been? They said, well, pastor, we've been doing what you told us to do. And in the last 57 days, we have started 53 churches. The pastor was like, okay. He sent some elders behind to see what they really had done. And the elders come back and said, Pastor, they have started 53 churches. Over 35,000 people are, are in those churches. Somebody says, well, how does that happen? Were those ladies just super anointed, incredible communicators? No, they just believed the man of God, and God gave them signs following. That's how God works. So when we, when we ask why missions, we do it because it's biblical to do it. Jesus said do it. Paul said we 
should do it. And I'm telling you, when we do it, we see the results of what Jesus can do. Secondly, we do it because, because it's ethical. You say, ethical? You know, the other day, a pastor picked me up at the airport, and he said, David, do you, do you, do you have any baggage? I said, oh, pastor, I got a lot of baggage. I don't have any luggage, though. And, and, and you know, we've all, we've, all, we've all got baggage. I mean, come on. I mean, I, you know, I told you I was raised in Chicago. When I was a little boy in Chicago, my daddy got in trouble, and he got put in jail. And my mother divorced him. And that was a very difficult time in my life. I ended up doing things that I was a wicked little fella. And I, I got in trouble. They were going to put me in a truant home. So they sent me to Alabama uh, to live with my grandparents. But I got in trouble in Alabama, got kicked out of Alabama. I mean, you know, you got to be pretty dumb to get kicked out of Alabama. I, I ended up back in Chicago, uh, got in trouble again, went back to Alabama, lived with the other grandparents, got in trouble, and literally have lived in cotton cribs, lived in cars. I stole food. That I, listen, I was a wicked little fella. It wasn't my grandparents' problem. It was my problem. And so my mother had married again, married a preacher, and she and he was coming down through Alabama with my five siblings. They were going to Dallas, Texas to make a new life and wanted me to go with them. Well, I decided it was better there than where I was at. I went to Dallas, but my new step daddy decided he didn't want to raise six children after about six months and he and mama dropped us off at a children's home in Mesquite, Texas. I will never forget it as long as I live standing on the sidewalk watching my siblings cry and my mother drive away with the preacher. I hated churches, I hated preachers, I hated, I hated everything that moved. I, I got on drugs, I'd go to the hospital like, like I was sick and I steal drugs. One day I woke up and realized nobody cares if I live or die. And I, and I got me enough money and got me a bus ticket. I'm 16 and went to Coleman, Alabama and went to work at a chicken plant. Now, guys, you have not lived till you've worked at a chicken plant. And, 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 and at the chicken plant, I met this little girl. I wanted to date her, but she would have nothing to do with me because I started drinking. And uh, finally, I said, what do I have to do to get a date with you? And she said, well, my church is having a revival, and if you'll go to church with me, I'll go out and have a hamburger. How many know when you're 16 years of age, you'll do anything for a date? I went to church that night, but God had other arrangements. That night, I heard the message of the gospel, and I, skipped, I walked down the aisle. I gave my life to Jesus. I've never been the same since that day. He turned me inside out and outside in, married the little girl. She's my Cinderella, and the shoe still fits. But what am I telling you? I'm telling you it would be unethical for me not to tell somebody else that Jesus can do for you what he did for me, that Jesus can turn the drugs around, that Jesus can turn the alcohol around. And you, don't have, you don't have to live a broken life because you come from a broken home. You don't have to live without hope because there is no hope. Because Jesus is the hope of the world. And when we tell people about the Lord, we throw out a lifeline that changes their life. And you see, I've seen this all over the world. I never forget going, going down to Caracas, Venezuela and walking down the streets. And these little boys and girls were sleeping. Little boys mostly were sleeping on the sidewalks. And I asked the missionary, I said, what's that about? He said, David, they don't have any place to sleep. 
And he said, I have a dream of, of buying some land and building some cabins and calling it Samuel's house. Well, I dream the dream with him. I see what I am. I am a Robin Hood. I take your money and give it to people that need it. And, then, and I found me a pastor, and he gave me the money for the land. I found me another pastor, and he gave me money, money for tractors. And now there's a little place called Samuel's house in Caracas, Venezuela, where little boys and girls are getting the gospel of Jesus. Why? Because that could be my Jonathan that was there and they need to hear the gospel just like I need to hear the gospel I remember sitting in, a, in Teg being in Tegucigalpa Honduras wow that's a mouthful uh, and, and I'm standing in a garbage dump and I'm watching a mother she has a baby in her arm and she has a garbage bag that she's reaching into the garbage and putting in that bag to feed that children, that child. That could be my mother that was there. It could be my, it could be my sister that sold out of, a, out of a cage in Bangladesh for the price of a Coca-Cola. Why do we do it? Because it's right that we give back what Jesus has given us. The world needs an answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. So we do it because it's biblical. We do it because it's ethical. But we also do it because it would be immoral. You say, well, David, how do you divide a moral from, an eth from ethics? I mean, well, I'm going to be honest with you. If you had the cure for cancer or I had cancer, 2010, I came back from a mission trip, went to the doctor. I said, I'm hurting in my stomach. He said, you're just fat. I said, nah, something going on. He said, you're just fat. And, and so the, that night I hurt some more. My wife is x-ray tech. She said, you need to get a CAT scan. So my wife has more authority in my life than the doctor did. So I called the doctor. I said, I need a CAT scan. And he said, I don't think you do. I said, my wife said I need one, so I'm going to get one. And so he ordered me a CAT scan, and they found a tumor the size of a grapefruit on my left kidney. I finally figured out why God made grapefruits so you could measure uh, tumors by they took. They, they they ended up doing emergency surgery. He told me. He said, "If you'd have left, if you wouldn't have found it six months later, you wouldn't be alive." Three days later, they come in there and they said, "Dave, you had cancer, but but it was all inside that tumor and, and it didn't get anywhere. You don't have to take any chemo. When you heal up, you can go back to work." I said, "Well, I'm a preacher." He said, well, "Go preach," and I've been preaching ever since. Listen, friend, if you had the cure for cancer, if you had the cure of sugar diabetes, if you had the cure for heart disease. If you had the cure for the, the, the seizures, if you had the cure for hopelessness and homelessness, and, wait a minute, you do have the cure. His name is Jesus. The, come on, I said, Jesus is the cure for the world. The world don't need more cars. They don't need more money. The world doesn't need more. They don't need another Republican or a Democrat. They don't need another monarchy. What the world needs today is an answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. He is the saving grace of the world today and that's what we preach so we do it because it's ethical we do it because it's moral we do it because it's, 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 it's biblical but we also do it because it's logical now preacher you're asking me to give a beyond my tithe on a faith promise a commitment putting my name down well that doesn't make sense to this mind but it makes sense to God's mind because Paul said it this way everybody that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved but how shall they call on him they've not believed in? And how shall they believe on him they've not heard about? And how shall they hear unless somebody preaches? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? You see, what we're doing 
in this moment is the most logical thing to the kingdom of God. Everything I own belongs to God. Now, sometimes we, we have a problem with that. Well, friend, listen, every, you, oh, well, the tithe belongs to him. Yes, it does. But everything I have belongs to him. I am a steward of what God puts in my hand. And when he speaks to me, you, you talk about compact the other day. I was meeting with compact, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I, I've saved up a little money to buy me a car. And I'm listening to the director, and I'm all of a sudden I hear about these kids. And, 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 and I'm like, oh, my Lord. And I heard, heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to write a check for $10,000. Don't got a check. Have your wife bring a check. I'm saving that money for a car. I don't care. Okay. We don't do because we got. We do because God speaks to us. We do because everything we have belongs to him. So we don't operate by what we think, but what the Holy Spirit says in our hearts. So we do it because it's logical. It's, no, it's moral. It's ethical. It's biblical. But lastly, we do it, friend, because it's reciprocal. You can't outgive God. Now look, you say, Dave, you mean when I give a certain amount, I'm going to give something back? No. We don't give to get. We give because he's already given to us. We, are, we have received so many blessings from the Lord. We could never outgive God. But I found this out that when you start giving, when you start blessing, God starts blessing you. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, sure, money comes, I think. People put money in your head. I'm always surprised when somebody gives me a dollar. It's amazing when those things happen. I'm, I'm shocked. But, friend, there's other things. God will let you tires on your car last long. I mean, the, your, your roof will go long. I think your roof will last long. The other day, we had some shingles come off in a car. I called the old boy down there. I said, hey, how much is it going to cost to fix, to replace this roof? And, and I'm looking at him, and he says, mm, about $17,000, $18,000. And I said, God, Jesus, I'm coming home right now. But he said, David, you don't need a roof. You need two shingles. I said, what's that mean? He said, two shingles are going to cost you about $100. I'm just telling you, you can't now give God. There's those things that will happen in your life that will be unbelievable when you put yourself in the vein of God's blessing and glory. And please never think that we give because we're going to get something back. No, he's blessed us in so many ways. I, I, I remember a story out uh, of Alabama, a little girl, and two little girls, Jennifer and Crystal, the missionary came, needed to send his, his child to uh, university but didn't have the money. And both those little girls walked up to their daddy and said, we want to take $200 out of, our, out of our college fund and give it to the missionary. I know the daddy. He's tight, tight, tight. He said, girls, that's not missionary money. That's college money. I'm not doing it. They said, daddy, God spoke to me. So he, he, Trump, that trumped what he said. And they gave it. Well, when Jennifer got ready, excuse me, when Crystal got ready to go to university, he worked at a pulpwood company and was called into the office, and the, and the supervisor said, hey, we have awarded you a $20,000 scholarship for your girl to go anywhere she wants to go to school. She went to Southeastern University, met a little preacher boy there in the ministry. Well, two years later, Jennifer got ready to go. Same thing happened. She got a $20,000 college she, scholarship. She went to Southeastern University. She met a little preacher boy. They're in Mobile, Alabama now preaching the gospel. Now, look, you give. That doesn't mean you're going to get a preacher boy. The little girl in the back said, I'm ready to give right now, brother. Ready? Uh, uh, I'll give right now. No, it just means 
that you put yourself in the vein of where God can bless you in a special way. I told the story this morning about being a, in, in a service and asking for a faith promise, and a, and a little lady wrote down a faith promise that scared her pastor to death. Now, look, if you make a faith promise and it doesn't scare you to death, it's probably not God. But if you make a faith promise that scares your pastor to death, that's a miracle because he's believing for a miracle. So when she, he got that faith promise, he looked at it, and he went down where that little lady was, and he said, Sweetheart, I know you're on a limited income, and, and you got really moved this morning. But I don't want you to feel obligated to this faith promise because that's a, that's a lot of money. And she said, well, Pastor, I thought this faith promise was between me and God, not you and me. Well, yeah. Well, let God and I work it out. That year, there was a company that moved to town that wanted to buy her, her landline phone number because it spelled out their business name. And when she got the check, it was exactly the amount of her faith promise. Coincidence? Or is that how God works? He works that way. So, so when you give, you say, Brother Red, when, when I make a faith promise, I mean, I mean I, that's an obligation. No, it's obligating God to help you make it happen. See, a faith promise is a promise by faith that what God speaks to you, that's what you're going to put down. It's not what's in your billfold, not what's in your budget. It's what God puts in your heart. It gives God an opportunity to work through you to help your church do what God's called it to do. You had a banner year last year. God's called you to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, Brother Rayleigh, if, if, if I make a faith promise, is, is, is pastor going to come and repossess our car if we don't make it? No. We saw your car. We don't want it. I said that one time in a, in a meeting with, 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 with pastors, uh, youth pastors, and I said you want that, that he will not, we don't want to repossess your van. And, and there was one young youth pastor said, if, if God will repossess my church van, I'll give double. It just simply says I'm giving God an opportunity. I'm going to tell you this story and, and, and ask you that you would take one of these and do what I'm going to do this morning as well that you'd write down what you feel God's speaking to your heart. You say, well, David, I made one last year. Well, there's a place on there that says renew. What you did last year is done. Just renew maybe what you did or what God's speaking to you now. You say, well, I don't know if I can give it monthly. Well, give it as it comes. Give it quarterly. Uh, I want to give it at one time. Well, however you want to give it, it's up to you. Nobody's going to done you. Nobody's going to call you and say, say hey, you, you didn't meet your obligation. All this is about is helping your church leadership decide what they can do by faith to help other missionaries that you are involved with. That's all it is. And I've seen miracles happen. I, I got called a, a few years ago to go to Montana. I love Montana. I bought a lot in Montana. My wife, she said, it's a beautiful lot. Sell it. I'm not moving here. I don't like the cold. And, I, you know, I'm under a man under authority. Y'all know what I'm talking about, men, you know. And um, I, pastor said, I want you to come and, and preach three services on Sunday morning, tell your stories, and then come to our pie auction. Now, I'll be honest with you. In Alabama, I don't know if any church has ever done a pie auction. I didn't know. Do you bake them, sell them, throw them, eat them? I had no idea. But I went that Sunday and preached, and I made this statement that if what you give to God doesn't mean anything to you, it probably doesn't mean anything to God. And there was a 12-year-old boy that listened to me, two of those services. That night, I was standing on the stage about like this, and I saw the kid come in. He had something in his hand. He got closer. I saw it was a baseball. 
And he walked up to the pastor and he repeated what I said. He said, Brother Rayleigh said this morning that if what you give to God doesn't mean anything to you, it probably doesn't mean anything to God. This baseball was given to me by my daddy and it was given to my daddy by Nolan Ryan, that great baseball pitcher in Houston. He gave it away and then he had his mother take him home because he couldn't stand and watch it being auctioned off. He loved that ball. Well, when the pastor told what that kid did, it inflamed that group. They started bidding on that ball, thousand, two, three, four, six thousand dollars for that crazy ball. And then they started selling those pies. They started selling those pies for five hundred, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a pie. Robin, I ate some of those pies. They were not that good. <laughs> when they got done, they had raised twenty-four thousand dollars for missions that Sunday. Amen. Well, somebody went and got that kid and brought him back so I could tell him what his Bible had, what his ball had done. I will never forget it as he stood there and looked up at me and he said, Brother Rayleigh, do you mean what I gave brought the most? I couldn't help but think about the little boy in the Bible who gave Jesus the, the sardines and bagels. And Jesus took the little and he made the little matter. He put in the hands of, of, of Jesus the natural and Jesus lifted it up and he brought down the supernatural. That's what God does with these things right here well I'm flying out the next day and I'm thinking about this kid and I'm crying I know the guy next to me probably thinking I'm having a nervous breakdown because it's a prop plane they'll make you have a nervous breakdown but I wrote Nolan Ryan a letter in that plane and I told him what that kid did and what people like you do and I asked him to be a part of a miracle long story short Three weeks later, I'm sitting in my office, National Speed the Light office. My admin walks in and said, Dave, you got, a, you got a package here, and it was from Nolan Ryan Foundation. Inside was a baseball encased in glass, Hall of Fame baseball, better than the kid gave away with a certificate of authenticity and a nice letter. I sent it to Montana to the district youth director and had him present it to that young man. He said, David, when, when I told the story, 2,000 young people stood to their feet as he walked to the stage to get that baseball and said when I gave him that baseball he cried like a baby I don't think he cried because he got some stupid baseball back I think for the first time in his life he realized when you're willing to give up the things that you love for the things that Jesus loves miracles can happen in your life would you hold this thing in your hand this is not manipulation. This is not, I, I don't want you, I mean, some of you may want to take it and do it later, but, but right now, while the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart, would you determine an amount when I pray that you want to put on that? Yeah, put your name, put your address. You say, David, I, I want to put something down, but I don't want to put my name. Well, you don't have to, but, but if you will, that will help the, your church leadership. And just, what is it that, God, you want me to do this year? You never know what it's going to be. I never know what God's going to speak to me. I live in these services, so I do one for every service that I go to, and, and I, I commit to missionaries every month because I believe, I believe that everybody needs to hear about Jesus. So, Father, as we hold these in our hands, we ask you to hold in our heart what you would have us to do. Lord, now, I know that you don't really need us, but you want us to be a part of what you're doing. So God, it's not so much for you that we do this, but it, we're doing it for us. We're doing it because we get to be a part of the Great Commission through our local church. 
what this church has is, is set their mind to, whether it be uh, 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 helping children in foster care, whether it be helping people that are trafficked, whether it be with Speed the Light or BGMC or, or missionaries that are in difficult countries, wherever there is a need that comes to this pastor and leadership, they need to be able to respond with yes and amen. And God, these moments like this will help them to do that. So speak to us what you would have us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when you get that done and you fill it out, just tear that little part off. I always tear that off and keep it and then put this in the offering plate in the back. Thank you for letting me invade your space this morning. I hope you'll let me come back sometime and celebrate with you. You're one of the greatest congregations in the United States. God bless you, Pastor Come. Wow, felt challenged first service. Feel even more challenged this service. And um, Robin and I filled out our card first service, but I always want to leave room and ask the Lord, God, did I hear you right? Because if you want me to do more, I want to be willing to do more. Um, and and so we might have some more conversation today just to make sure we're on the same page with that. Um, again, uh, you know, we, you guys have been crazy faithful um, through, through your missions giving, through your years, and, uh, and it's been so, so exciting to see what God has been doing the last two years as um, we've been able to, to just do special projects. Uh, I was sitting here thinking of Pastor William in Sawatcha. Um, because of your generosity over the Christmas, they did a, some special evangelism things that were going on there in Sawatcha, which is a very, 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 very poor community, very broken community. And um, he would send me pictures. And and for those of you that have been to his church with one of the, the two teams that served there, um, the, the, the bottom floor uh, is where the, the adults worship upstairs is where the kids are both floors, the, the first floor was, was packed with adults. The top floor was packed with kids and, and it was that way for every day during this outreach and, and they're making an impact and they're able to make an impact because of your generosity. So thank you. Would you stand with me? Father, we're going to step to a song and worship you. But Lord, I just sense that not only do you want us to, to be moved and, and um, motivated in our response to you um, towards missions, but God, you're a God who constantly wants to speak and minister to us so that your kingdom can come in us but also through us. And so, Lord, whatever you're speaking to hearts and lives. Maybe it's to one individual who's they've been disappointed because of things they've seen in church or maybe something they experienced from a Christian. Lord, in this moment, may the declarations of our lips be, God, you are good. And because of your goodness, I've received your grace. And because of your grace, 
I'm not going to act or respond to life like that person did. I'm going to respond like what you want, how you want me to respond in your goodness. Lord, whatever the scenarios are, this is a time for us to step closer to you. And Lord, we just want to do that. As we worship the Lord, if you need to come to the altar, I encourage you to do so. Um, and then I will come back and, and close this up. All right, worship team. This concludes the teaching. Thank you for listening, and we hope you can join us for next Sunday's service with Pastor Steve Rains.